0: Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs
1: construction actually came to
0: my school. And business leaders. I think it's also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Marlow, and today we are joined by Dan Whedon. He's a partner and national leader of RSM's industrials consulting practice. Dan, welcome to the BizCast.
1: Thank you, appreciate it, and thanks for having me.
0: We're we're, looking forward to this discussion today. We know that RSM has been a great partner of CBIA's um, and has continued to support CBIA's manufacturing report over the years. Uh, That was released at our conference back in October at the manufacturing conference and uh, Dan you were you were there you were part of that conference um, talk to us a little bit just you know in general about um, kind of the energy and what you were seeing from manufacturers there.
1: Yeah no I it, like I said very engaged group of panelists I thought a, a, a really engaged audience as well and you know, I, I think many of them were faced with some of the same challenges and a lot of the challenges that the report laid out, whether that was labor shortages and challenges attracting and retaining people to, you know, how do we leverage technology on a going forward basis to really you know, optimize the things that we do from an operational perspective within our organization. Um, you know, I thought there were some really great insights uh, from the panelists and from the, the crowd, quite honestly, and um, what was a great event and, you know, look forward to continuing to, um, you know, have engagement with that group of folks and on a go forward basis.
0: And Dan, why don't we, we're going to get into the report a little bit more in a second, but can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, You've been working with RSM for quite some time, um, and specifically, you've been working um, helping manufacturers.
1: Right. So, um, as you mentioned, I I lead our industrials consulting practice here in North America, um, which is made up of, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of four thousand clients, anywhere from small manufacturers to multinational, multi-billion-dollar organizations. Uh, And you know, I have uh, I've been in the consulting space for over twenty years and have seen you know, a number of different um, challenges with our clients and uh, the companies that I talk to on a regular basis. Uh, And, you know, I have a, a real passion for really helping our clients sort of think through what are some of the challenges and opportunities within their business. And, you know, how can we sort of partner with uh, our clients and and have a very um, collaborative relationship to, you know, really help them drive performance within their organization. So, um, as you know, and I think as most of the crowd knew, um, you know, the manufacturing industry, I think, is really going through a, a pretty significant change. Uh, in recent years with industry 4.0 and number of new technologies out there and now the you know, emergence of AI and machine learning. And there are so many uh, things out there in the market today that uh, we spend a lot of time with our clients kind of thinking through. You know, what are those things that we can utilize, whether that's technology or uh, different business processes that we can implement within our business to really help drive performance and ultimately, you know, help manufacturers uh, really operate more effectively.
0: Yeah, and, and definitely on and on that panel um, at the event, we had a number of different size manufacturers. Michelle Edsel yeah. from National yeah. Graphics. Yeah, um, you know, we had a representative from BD, Lenny Murano driver. from uh, Lectra, and then our chief manufacturing officer, Paul Voy. and they all really brought different perspectives of where they're going with innovation and, yep. and how how they look at it. Um, but I think it's no secret that these companies feel that they have to innovate in order to stay relevant.
1: Right, right. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that is something that a lot of these manufacturers need to continue to think about on a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year basis, as far as, you know, how can we be innovative? How can we be innovative for our customers and within uh, how we develop products and bring products to market and you know, how do we see um, you know, our own organization you know, driving innovation internally to give a better experience to our employees, a better experience to our customers and you know, ultimately thrive as a business.
0: And that's been a challenge when you're fighting with high costs of doing business. Um, You know, in Connecticut, the report, uh, one of the findings of the report was that 91% of manufacturing leaders say that they feel the cost of doing business is increasing. Um, And when you're trying to innovate, that often means buying new technology and having to look at, you know, your ROI and say, is this worth it? Um, So what are some of the kind of, things that you've been seeing on that front.
1: Yeah. And, it, you know, uh, I would like to say that, um, you know, things are not going to get more expensive, but I think us as consumers, we see that every day when you go to the grocery store and a gallon of milk is $10. Right. So, um, you know, I, I do think that um, if you look at some of the macroeconomic data that um Inflation is sort of getting under control a little bit, right? And and that's a good thing, right? Um, and, you know, we sort of have this heightened interest rate environment now, which makes it even a little bit more challenging to, uh, you know, to deploy capital and invest in innovation, to your point. Um, but you know i do think that uh a lot of our clients and a lot of companies out there have to just continue to sort of think about the long term and you know how do we remain competitive in uh in the environment that we are in and how do we ultimately kind of do more with less right and uh i don't necessarily know that that sounds great all the time right but um you know i do believe a lot of our manufacturing clients Uh, And a lot of manufacturers out in the market are are, are thinking about that and saying, all right, well, if I if I have labor challenges, how do I get around that? Right. Because I still need to service my customers. I still need to, you know, manage lead times for the delivery of product to my customers and um, and competition is continuously increasing. Right. So how do I continue to look at what i do and try to um you know continuously improve and continue to sort of do better.
0: Yeah, and and certainly that's something that so many people are really making part of their everyday decision-making right. for for leaders in this in this space for sure.
1: Absolutely.
0: Another area um you know that we've We've seen, I don't think that you can have a conversation about in any industry right now without talking about workforce. Right. Um, you know, the report found that 86% um, of manufacturing leaders said reported difficulty finding and retaining employees. And mm-hmm. about half of them said it's really a lack of skilled workers. The people that are applying to these jobs don't have the skills that they need. What... Experience? Have you heard on that front, and how are manufacturers facing that?
1: Yeah, and and I think you've I think you probably heard some some innovative things on the panel. Whether that's you know partnering with local trade schools to identify you know operators that are on the manufacturing floor, right? Because you know I think as you look at um, a somewhat aging workforce in the space, right? Uh, I, I think part of the challenge is. How do we um, how do we replace those people as they you know move towards retirement age and and no longer working and that has been a real challenge so I think I think engagement um, with local trade schools and things like that from an operator's perspective um, is really important and you know um, the state of Connecticut I, I think thinking about how to you know, incentivize some of that from a um, from a state perspective, and incentivizing both um, both the schools and sort of the organizations in how do we build more of a um, a skilled workforce on a going forward basis, and you know how is how is work changing as well, right? The way that you know we produced a widget, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago is much different than, you know, how we produce that widget today. And it's going to be much different in how we produce that in 10 years. Right. So um what what does sort of that big picture look like? And what type of uh of a skilled workforce do we need in order to sort of support that, right? And how do we you know, provide the appropriate training for our people. How do we um, really educate them on being um you know really, really flexible in, you know, if they're working on a production floor, I can operate XYZ machine and I can operate ABC machine. And I am not just a specialist in one area. So, you know, being able to sort of flex the workforce a little bit cross train across multiple, uh, different areas, I think is really critical for a number of our clients and, um, and will continue to be into the future and, and, and really, and again, I, I kind of harp on sort of some of the technology components, but, you know, I do think it's, it's very important. You mentioned, you know, return on investment before. And, uh, you know, I do think that, um, as these new technologies continue to come up and continue to drive uh, innovation and, and, um, and throughput and efficiency and a number of our manufacturers, um, we really need a, probably a little bit more of a skilled workforce as as you look forward to to leveraging some of these technologies.
0: Yeah, and I think Paul Lavoie had spoken about that as well. Um, but he said, we're not going to be able to fill all these jobs. So how can we use new technologies to help um, make these processes processes more efficient?
1: Yes, We have to come to the stark reality that we are never solving the workforce problem with people. How do I use machines? to do the work for the people I'm never going to have available to hire.
0: And is that kind of something that you're seeing your clients kind of work into their plans, their efficiency? Yeah,
1: every every day, right? Because you you have a finite workforce to a certain extent, right? And you have a finite number of people who are... um, actually able to work in any industry, not just manufacturing, but any industry, right? So, um, you know, if demand, it's basic, you know, economics, right? As demand goes up and the supply of labor is the same, how do you kind of, you know, bridge that gap? And, you know, the answer is technology, right? Um, But the question for many of our clients becomes is, where do I invest that capital in what types of technologies and how is that going to help me service my customers better? Right. Um, And, you know, that's a conversation that I have multiple times a day with clients, um, not only in the manufacturing space, but really across every, every industry.
0: And there's so many, there's so many options out there, right? Right. There's, for if you're looking at this like one new machine, um, or, you know, changing this process, well, you've got a a lot of options to go. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, and then, and then add on to that, that with new technology comes a lot more data, right? So you have a lot more data that in theory is going to provide you with the insights that you can be more predictive and in um really planning your your uh you know your production and how you're sort of servicing your customers but you know what we see a number of times with many of our clients is that they do have a lot of this data but Not necessarily the skill set or the expertise in translating that data into actionable items where they can take that information and utilize it to make decisions within their business and to really drive performance from an operational perspective.
0: And I think with that data term, we also have been hearing a lot more about artificial intelligence, right? Um, You know, not as many, I think, small manufacturers are using them, but we are hearing some of the bigger ones. You know, BD talked about it on the panel.
1: I think in in BD, we are looking at more efficient and effective ways to collect and analyze data, Mm -hmm. you know, coming off our machines, uh, tons of data, downtime data, fault data, scrap data all of that stuff. Um,
0: You know, we've been using it. We just need to get to that point where we can take the data. Are your clients diving into the AI sector as well?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of them are similar to some of the panelists kind of trying to figure out what is an appropriate use case of artificial intelligence for my business and, and how can that help me again, sort of achieve the goals of the business, right? So I think Lenny um, used an example of, um, you know, where they use artificial intelligence to predict machine maintenance in the field. With AI, we could very quickly analyze that data to predict future failures. So we have customers out in the field that will literally get apart from us and saying, hey, this motor just showed up, I have no idea why. Well. Because we saw that it was right. running hot for the last three days through our you know our automated uh analytics engine, we knew that that part's probably going to fail a week from now, so we got it out to you ahead of time, yeah. so really eliminating any downtime for some of these machinery that, that is very central to a lot of these customers' ability to you know deliver product to their customers right so um, I think the ability of of AI to kind of accommodate for that and be in what you'd call sort of preventative maintenance and, and really, um, you know, driving decisions in that manner, uh, you know, have a lot of positive impacts for, for their customers.
0: Yeah, it's certainly uh, another tool that has came into the game very quickly. And, you know, right. manufacturers now have to figure out where am I going to use this before we're too late to the game?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and, and that's, you know, that is, that's one technology, right? That is sort of the term of the, of the year, right? Artificial intelligence. And in three years, maybe it's going to be something different. Right. Um, But I think the overarching kind of commentary that I would have here is that You have to continuously think about how you're improving your operations, right? Whether that is through technology, whether that is through changing business process, whatever that may be, I think just having a focus on how do we continuously improve the way that we do things so that we can service our customers more effectively is something that all organizations should really be focused on.
0: And and continuous improvement is really embedded into all manufacturing Um, facilities. um, It's obviously something that, you know, needs to happen, like you mentioned. Um, But how do you think the past couple of years, specifically going through the pandemic, dealing with supply chain, inflation um, has really... uh, Kind of reinvigorate invigorated this for manufacturers
1: yeah no I, I i think it's a really good point because i think that you know at the at the beginning of the pandemic and in COVID, uh a lot of our clients were struggling right and they kind of didn't know what to do and you know i would say that um you know many of them had had historically put off Technology investments, for whatever reason, right? Um, because they are a large investments sometimes, and um, and you know it's it's sometimes hard to kind of pull the trigger and and make the decision to invest x amount of dollars in this new technology. But you know what the I think what the pandemic really did was kind of shine a light on the fact that you have to continuously be looking at these technologies and, and how it can help to drive, you know, operational efficiency. Um, and so what I would say is, is sort of through the pandemic, um, you, it it helped uh, many companies out there sort of kind of rethink how they evaluate some of these, uh, technology investments. And, you know, it's no longer kind of a nice to have, but more of a, you know, I have to have this, right?
0: Yeah, and and I think another topic, you know, we didn't really touch on, we touched on a little bit in the panel, but that the report found, um, no surprise, supply chain issues are still lingering. Um, what do you think that manufacturers are, are getting better at dealing with the problems or, um, you know, are predicting it? Uh, even yeah. though we're still in a, a place where it's hard to predict, when you've right. got you know something that used to take three weeks to come in and it is now taking eight months.
1: Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I think the if we were having this conversation probably two years ago, those supply chain challenges were much more impactful than they are today, right? I think we've seen um that ease up a little bit right i think you've seen sort of the the cost of transportation come down things like that that sort of went through the roof during COVID, have sort of normalized i'd say more historical norms you know over the last year 18 months so um but from from a supply chain um perspective i i think you know some of the challenges are real right um, you know, obviously I'm sure there are many manufacturers in in um, in Connecticut that have either operations in China or they're sourcing products in China. And that is a, you know, challenge to say the least. And, you know, what I've seen a number of our clients do is really rationalizing kind of their supply chain and you know, evaluating, is it the is it the right move for us to really be sourcing all of, you know, what XYZ raw material or subcomponent from China, or should we diversify our supply chain a bit to kind of de-risk our, our business a little bit? So, you know, that is, uh, again, another question that, and another conversation that I have on a pretty consistent basis with a number of clients to say, you know, what are our alternatives, right? Where, where can I source products or some of these sub, sub assemblies from that you know, I'm not you know dependent on on getting product from China and then having some of these, you know lead time issues with uh, with my suppliers? So you know I do think that it's 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 probably good business practice to continuously sort of look at you know, supplier performance how are they um you know delivering on time and in full um and you know from a cost perspective am i able to sort of manage those costs and 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 really effectively uh again drive you know operational improvement in my business
0: yeah and there's another a number of companies that are reshoring at at this time
1: Yep. yeah no absolutely and we see that and uh i was just working with another client recently um that is sort of evaluating reshoring um you know they're looking to you know increase capacity in in the production of some of their product lines they don't want to increase capacity in china so they're evaluating all right can i bring this to really north america right whether it's in the us or whether it's in uh in mexico uh where there are some really good opportunities from a Um, from a manufacturing perspective to leverage. So, uh, you know, that is something that I think a number of our clients are looking at pretty continuously.
0: Yeah, certainly. And, And we've seen so many companies even here in Connecticut Uh, Say, okay, you know, we're expanding our facilities because the part that we used to make overseas, we're now going to make right here because we can get it out the door sooner. And we have our supply, you know, the supply chain is right here in the state, Um, specifically, you know, for those aerospace companies where Connecticut has a has a pretty big
1: uh,
0: aerospace alley for sure. Absolutely. And You know, just kind of in general, um, as you think about where where companies have come in this past year, you know, a lot of Connecticut manufacturers did, in fact, turn profits this year, uh, which is certainly a positive. But what, what do you foresee for the near future? Um, companies continuing to look at these uh, investments and efficiencies?
1: As we talked about, right, we're sort of in this inflationary environment. We sort of see that coming down a little bit hopefully as that continues to come down interest rates begin to come down as well so i think at that point we start to ask ourselves the question of how do we effectively deploy capital right because our cost of capital is going to be a little bit lower uh hopefully and um you know where should we invest and again go kind of going back to the the technology component where should we invest to you know account for all the things we're talking about, whether they're labor shortages or, you know, how do I kind of improve on, you know, my, my customer service with my clients and, you know, how do I continue to sort of manage lead times and make them more uh, attractive to our clients and, and customers. And, you know, how do we continue to, to remain competitive? So I would imagine over the next year, um, you know, as those interest rates hopefully start to come down, you see a little bit more uh again, investment from a from an innovation perspective within our, our uh manufacturing base of, of companies and you know, truly looking towards how do we continue to stay competitive, continue to grow. Um, while at the same time dealing with some of these other challenges from a labor shortage perspective, right? Um, and, you know, and and how do I evaluate, you know, new operating models from a supply chain perspective? And how do I evaluate, um, you know, opportunities within my supply chain to ultimately provide, you know, a better product to our customers in a quicker manner, Uh, in really staying ahead of the game and and staying competitive.
0: Right. Well, thank you so much. I want to kind of just, you know, end our conversation like we always do on this uh, podcast and, you know, talk about some leadership lessons. Dan, you uh, manage a a team at RSM, but also, you know, spend a lot of time working with teams, um, you know, within manufacturers and other companies. Uh, Anything that you kind of really hard go to or lessons that you've really learned in the past couple of years
1: yeah i mean I, i've learned a lot uh, and i continue to learn a lot and i you know I, i'm i'm a big advocate of sort of collaboration and teamwork and you know you know two minds is better than one and three is better than two right so um you know i i do think that w- from a leadership perspective, we really have an opportunity to um, really and continuously, and I've, I've said this a number of times today, but really continuously enhance how, how we do things, right? Whether that's me working with my teams on a day-to-day basis or whether that's me working with, you know, my clients on a day-to-day basis, but, um, you know, how do we, kind of critically evaluate whether that's opportunities within our business or issues within our business. Um, And, you know, how do we work as a team to come to the right answer for whether it's my own organization or whether that's one of my clients' organizations? Manufacturing is kind of a collaborative environment where you bring a whole group of people, you bring engineers, you bring accountants, you bring production, you bring customer service, you bring all sales, you bring procurement all together to kind of solve problems. I'm a big advocate of sort of that, you know, teamwork and collaboration approach and and really sharing insights and information across, um, you know, our client base and, you know, from client to client for us, right? I mean, this is the business that, you know, I've been in for, you know, over 20 years and, um, you know, I I continuously am kind of amazed at the ability of our, our people and our clients' people to come up with innovative solutions at all levels of the organization, right? And, you know, so, some of the best ideas I've ever seen have come from very low levels of the organization and people just kind of raising their hand and saying, Hey, have we ever thought about doing this a different way? Right. And kind of challenging the status quo a little bit. And, you know, us as leaders just kind of being open to listening, right. And to kind of hearing some of that feedback and input from people, because, you know ultimately at the end of the day whether it's you know me leading a, a, a team of consultants or whether it's our our manufacturing clients really um, trying to service their customers um, you know I think that that sort of you know collaboration and thought leadership and idea generation really is what you know drives innovation across across, um, across the economy. So, um, something that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about in, in working with teams and, uh, you know, something that I continue to sort of stress for our teams. And, you know, if you, it's like when you're at the airport, like if you see something, say something right. Um, and, you know, I do think that's a, a really important component to driving, you know, high-performing teams and you know, high-performing organizations is—is is that sort of there's real no, really no, no hierarchy, no borders, right? I think you know, um, it is something that I've I've tried to kind of really focus on my my entire career. So,
0: yeah, certainly. Sometimes the quietest person in the room has that idea that's brewing. They just sure. need to really be listened to. Yeah,
1: right. They and need the platform a good and to yeah. acknowledge it. They need the platform and they need the encouragement to be able to sort of raise their hand and, you know, and, and provide their insights. Because I do think that, you know, a lot of those opinions and thoughts and ideas are extremely valuable.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for uh, being a guest on this week's BizCast and for, you know, to RSM for continuing to be um, a, a supporter of CBIA's um, manufacturing report every year.
1: Great. Thank you very much, Amanda. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review and let us know if you have ideas for a future podcast. And for more episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.